Amen. That's our desire. Not to stop short, but to enter in. Amen. To go all the way. We didn't come this far to turn back now, but we're going all the way. Amen. We serve in all the way God. He's not on t- uh, all, uh, a part-time or just some of the time, but he's all the time. We're thankful that we have a real and living God, that we're not just wondering if he's out there afar off somewhere. We don't pack him in our arm, but he packs us. Amen. And he said he'd meet us wherever we gather in his name. And I believe we've done that tonight. Amen. I believe we've set aside our time and our lives. We could be out doing who knows what tonight, but we've set all that aside to come and that God might commune with us. Amen. There's a divine appointment tonight, I believe, and he's orchestrated it. Amen. Hallelujah. Might seem a little bit odd, but if you would just put your hand on the person next to you, and I believe there's faith on the other end of that hand. And as we approach the Father, maybe we we'll just ask if there's a need on the on the person next to you. Maybe you know him, maybe you don't. You go ahead and pray for that need tonight. Father, we thank you, Lord. Oh, your grace is sufficient for us, Father. We thank you for this, this time you've allotted us tonight, oh God. Father, we could come not out of vain repetition, but Father, we could come expecting a new beginning from you, oh God. Father, as we enter into this last service of this year, Father, we ask that you would come and have preeminence in this building tonight, oh God. Father, for each and every member in this assembly tonight, Father, the visitors in our midst, I pray, Lord, that that hand reached out by faith right now, touching them, Lord, would have a supernatural effect on their life tonight, oh God. I pray that everyone that stepped foot in this building tonight would leave a better person, Father. May there be feelings, may there be healings, oh God. Father, may you open up a heart that's hardened and turned stony, Father. May you make it a soft ground tonight, I pray, oh God. Father, we preach liberation tonight amongst your people, Father. We want freedom tonight amongst your people, Father. We want your spirit to reign supreme, Father. I would ask that if there be any critical spirit in the building tonight, that your Holy Ghost power would drive it forth, oh God. Father, may you have preeminence to speak to your people as you've ordained it tonight, oh God. Father, I pray that you'd bring healing in your wings as we we look upon your word just now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Sure, thank you for the opportunity, Brother Tim. It's such an honor. Personally, you've been a great privilege to my family and your ministry. And we just thank God that there's still men that will fight for the message. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Colossians, the second chapter. In the first verse. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you. And for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Amen. May God bless his word tonight. Uh, Just for a 
our, our time here tonight. You may be seated. We want to talk about ye are complete in him. Amen. I, I know this is our last service of the year and uh, we probably didn't start out the year thinking you were going to hear me for your last service, but here we are. But I believe God has it in order. Amen. I believe all the trials that we went through to this last year and all the disappointments and all the, all the turns that we didn't see coming and all the, what we might have thought were mistakes or pitfalls, I believe God ordered those. I believe our footsteps are ordered of the Lord. And it's not just that we're, we're turning a new page uh, necessarily in our physical sense, but I believe as Brother Timothy said last night that we're turning another chapter stepping into another realm than we've known before. I, I believe as the bride of Christ, we're looking at a new horizon, a, a new beginning where, where men have not walked before. I, I believe as the bride, we're, we're stepping into something that, uh, as Brother Isaac preached last night, it's our commission to fulfill something. It's our commission to do something in this hour. It's, it's not just our commission to sit on a pew and enjoy a service a week here and a week there and struggle back and forth with the world and we're hot one day and we're cold one day. That's not our commission. But our commission is to take another step that we might obtain a body change. I believe there's not another age coming. I believe we're in this last age that we are stepping into a changing of even our mortal bodies. I, just as we reflect back over this year, I, I'm sure we all could go back through and think about the trials and the, my goodness, how we've, we've, got, we've got people that have moved across country and people that have moved from other continents and people just, there seems to be a shaking going on. And not just in the, in, in, in the natural world out there with, with Russia and with, with missiles every day and, and the government's falling apart, but there's a shaking going on because the bride is getting into position. I believe it's because we... I would say, raise your hand, say me. I believe because me, I am getting into position. The world is shaking around me. I believe that we make up that last few that are getting into line. And when we get into line, there's nothing holding back the rapture of the church. Amen. When she gets into her position, I believe that's talking about me. I believe that's talking about you. So as we, as we close out this old year, let's not reflect back on the mistakes or, or the trials or the sickness or the hurt. But let's look ahead and see what God has at the new beginning. What God has at this new horizon. I'm excited to see what the Lord is doing in this coming year. I believe it could be. I'm not saying it is. But could it be? The year where we, we are raptured home. Why not? What are we waiting for? Are we waiting on anything else, brothers? Is there something I don't know about? But I believe this, this could be the year that we're all going home. Is that all right? So let's just give the good, a good stomping to the devil for our last service for the year. Maybe you had some hurts this year. Or maybe you were sick or maybe you lost some loved ones. Or maybe you're confused in your mind. Let's just give the devil a good stomping for our last service this year. Is that okay? I don't think we should, be, we should be tender with him. I don't think we should be afraid of him. He's not your buddy. He's not your pal. He didn't treat you tenderly this last year. But I think it's time to give the devil a good old stomp as we end this year. I believe it's in, it, it's in us to do it. You may, you may think that he's, he's ripped away parts of you that you'll never get back. But you're complete in him. It may feel sometimes like the devil's taking you and you got a complex there, or you got a hurt there. You know, when you get injured, you kind of favor that spot for a while and you feel that you got to cover it up. 
But it's okay just to be free in the spirit of the Lord. It's okay to let that complex go and let that hurt go and just give the devil a good black eye before we end the year. Is that okay? Amen. Hallelujah. We know that we're living in an age that, that's been prophesied that there would be things fulfilled in this age. We can go back through the book, but I know this is a well-taught church, but this is the age of the overcomer. That's what's prophesied for our age is that somebody is going to overcome. I believe it's us. Somebody's going to take the, the book and eat it. I believe it's us. Somebody's going to fulfill all of the years of prophecy that would make this message a prophetic word and fulfill it. I believe it's us. I believe we are the people of prophecy of this message. He was talking about us. He's not talking about somebody else down the road. He was preaching right to you in your pew where you're at, in your trial, what you're going through. He said you will overcome this age that you're in. You will overcome the trial that you're in. I've already seen it in a vision. You'll have a mistake and you'll fall, but you'll get back in line because I saw a perfect bride in the vision of God. I believe we're walking in that vision. I, I think we're all in one accord tonight. Amen. It was just... It was more than just a prophecy that came to, to bring people around a man or to move people to Indiana or to move people to Arizona. But it was such a prophetic word that there would be people that would come one day that would be the very fulfillment of what was seen. Not in a natural sense. He didn't see it in the natural, but in a supernatural realm. I believe the prophet saw this church. I believe the prophet saw a believer that was, that was willing to stand for the word. I wonder if there's anybody in here tonight that would say, I'm willing to stand for the word. Maybe I didn't do that good of a job last year, but this is a new year. I say that you make a new declaration and say, this coming year, I will stand for the word. No matter what may come, I'll stand on the promise of God. It's our commission. This was more than just than just a, a, a prophet came so that the pillar of fire could be captured over his head. But I believe when the message came forward, it struck more than just the lens of that photographer. But I believe that light came and it struck the lens of our life. I believe it struck the lens of hearts that are yet to come and are coming in now. I believe it struck my heart. I was just a stony uh, sinner. And then when that voice came across, it, it struck more than a camera lens for me, but it struck my life. Something cut across my life and I've never been the same since. You know what that pillar of fire will do is it will show you your true colors. I think we all want to know. I believe, uh, you know, uh, you, you've been through, we've been to a couple camps. We've been to a uh, at a couple altars and a couple counseling with some young people. And it seems that the, the biggest pressing, pressing issue is people are scared they're an impersonator. Well, that's my mission tonight. If I don't do anything else, is to let you know you're the real deal. You're not impersonating anything, but you're the real deal. There's somebody that's going to fulfill it in the real way. I believe it's us. I believe this is the time. I believe this is the season. We're not impersonating anything. We're the genuine article of what this message was written for. We are the people of this message. That's what we're manifesting. We don't have to worry about impersonating. But it was written about us. I don't have to try to fit it like he said, but I was made to fit this message. I was made to just walk in step with it. It was spoken over me already created in the mind of God. I'm not having to worry about if I'm going to make it. It was spoken for me. I'm already fit to it. I'm already dressed. That's why he came. 
It shows us our colors. Hallelujah. Satan had, has had his system at work again to get the people to misbelieve the word of God. Satan's wrong way of worship. So there's a wrong way to worship. Like Cain and like Balaam, they're very religious. Cain was religious. He brought an altar, made an altar, and frankly, Cain was more religious than Abel. Sure was. He done more than the Lord for the Lord than Abel ever did. So let's just throw that complex out. Cain did more for the Lord than, than you ever did. So don't worry about that. But Abel come in the way of the word. That's all. He done more. He built a great denomination. He built a great thing, a, a great Christian heritage. But you see, he come in the wrong way. It wasn't received for it was contrary to the word. Balaam was just as religious as Moses. He come with the same sacrifice, the same lambs, the same clean animals and everything and prayed to the same God and offered sacrifice to the same God that Moses did. Though he come in the wrong way, it was contrary to the word like it was in Eden. The word won't mix with modern theory. See, you can't have modern theory. The word won't mix with it. Any modern theory, it can't have a theory and have the word. Okay? You've got to have the word or the theory. Now, which are you going to believe? This is the prophet asking a question. You can't have both. You can't have your idea and the word. You've got to have one or the other. You can't have theoretically, I like this pet doctrine and I like the way that I can stay comfortable in my seat. You can't have that and have the word at the same time. So this is a choosing time that we're living in. This is a time of choice where, where it's not just shaking out of coincidence, but hard choices are being made in this age. Where we're, we're, we're letting the dead bury their dead. It's a hard choice to make, but you've got to progress with the word. You can't have your theory of it and have the word at the same time. But you've got to make a choice. You've got to recognize there's a way to know between what's theory and what's the word. In Israel's day, they had a way that they could tell if it was the theory or if it was the voice of God. Right? They were in the same situation we were in. Here's Balaam rising up as a false prophet. And uh, do we believe him? He's got gifts and signs. He's got a powerful ministry. Do we believe that? Or do we stay with Moses in the voice of God? You see, you see how you, confusion comes in. And the devil is a, is a master at getting in our mind and causing confusion. And getting us to, to look at a brother that we were, we were so kindred with at one time. That there's no way that we would ever be pulled apart. And now we're even doubting if he's a Christian. Because the devil's gotten in there and it's put a wedge between this. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I'm getting into, but confusion of the mind is where the devil works best. If he can get in and confuse how, 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 we, how we process what's going on in a church assembly. You know, a church assembly is the hardest place to get everybody to get along. Because everybody comes, you're supposed to be accepting, you're supposed to be welcoming, but somebody's going to have to stand for the word at some point. And some toes will get stepped on at some point. But it's got to be that way for us to stand for the word. Of course the devil's not, he's going to try to come in here, he's going to try to cause discord, he's going to try to cause disruption. That's his job. But our job as a ministry is to call out those things and say, that is false. 
That's not what the prophet said. That's not the way we should act and carry on. That's not, and some might call it a closed line religion, but I, for one, am a preacher who believes that the word is still the word. And it should be preached as the prophet preached it, as Paul preached it, as Timothy preached it. It should be preached the same way. We shouldn't have to change the word to change with the times. But God's word is never failing. Well, I don't like the way that that old word made me feel. Well, you need to change you. Don't try to change the word and say, well, it really hurt me the way that that was brought. The word is the word. There's a way to know if it's your theory or if it's the word. Like I said, in, in Israel's day, they had a way to know. But the devil's so good, he will try to impersonate everything up to the word. He can sing. He can shout. He can dance. He can sit there like a bump on a log. He can say amen. He can say glory. He can impersonate everything except for the word. And the Bible said that in the last days, the devil will impersonate Christianity so close till it'll deceive the very elected, if possible. I love that word. If possible. If it were possible, we would be deceived. That's right. So we must test it. And how did they test it in their day? To the Urim and Thummim. The breastplate of Aaron that had those stones in it. The carbuncle, jasper, diamond, ruby, sapphire. All those stones that represented the birth of these 12 patriarchs was in the breastplate of Aaron. And when a prophet prophesied and that sacred light flashed over, God said, that is the truth. But no matter how real it seemed, if it didn't flash on that, it wasn't the truth. So that Urim and Thummim went with that priesthood. But this Bible is God's Urim and Thummim today. And when a prophet prophesies, it must absolutely flash with the Bible. Then God says, and he comes down and proves it. This is a word prophet telling you how to identify a word prophet. If what I say does not line up with the Bible, then don't believe me. But if what I say lines up with the Bible, it's the Urim and Thummim for today. And it's thus saith the Lord. Right? So there's a way to know. Now you think, well, if we had that, that, that holy of holies and we could walk back in there and we could have those stones flash and we could ask it a question, uh, am I going the right direction in my life? Is this the perfect will of, uh, of God for my life? You walk in there and as the voice would ring forth, the stones would cast a rainbow or they would not. And by that you would know that dream was of the Lord or that prophecy was of the Lord or that tongues was of the Lord. But, but the light had to ring true. In order for that to be lined up. Now there's a specific order to how God designed this. And I believe there's a specific order uh, to how he's designed the church in this last age. It's okay if we're just trying to build a little bit. This alright? I'm not a tech guy, but I got a buddy Joe. And a buddy. That uh, maybe has a picture of that. This is out of Exodus 28. And I know this is maybe a little Sunday school on a Saturday night, but that's all right. And thou shalt make the breastplate of judgment with cunning work. After the work of the ephod, thou shalt make it. Of gold, of blue, and of purple, and of scarlet, and of fine twined linen shalt thou make it. Four square it shall be doubled. A span shall be the length thereof, and a span shall be the breadth thereof. And thou shalt set in settings of stones, even four rows of stones. The first row shall be a sardius, a topaz, and a carbuncle. This shall be the first row. And the second row shall be an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond. And the third row, a ligure, and a, and a gate, and an amethyst. And the fourth row, 
a barrel and an onyx and a jasper, they shall be set in gold in their enclosings. And the stone shall be with the names of the children of Israel, twelve, according to their names, like the engravings of a signet. Every one with his name shall they be according to the twelve tribes. So those are pretty specific instructions, right? And we got the picture of it up there. See, it's pretty specific how it's laid out. And there's a specific stone for each row. And the rows were identified, of course, gold being the back layman. And they would, they would fashion this gold. And, and, and this, was, this was the most holy place that there, that there was in Israel. So this wasn't just thrown together and some, some pebbles glued on there. But this was gold that was fashioned in the fire that was beaten until they could see their reflection. And then they chose these stones by hand. And as the Lord gave them instruction, they would say, these stones, because this is the only way. Now, it sounds very unnatural for you to be able to speak to those stones and them to cast a light. Right? It seems very unnatural that you would be able to to put on a, a tape somewhere sometime while you're living in sin. And all of a sudden, your life just flip around. It seems very unnatural that you might drag yourself into the back door and the voice of the preacher coming across the pulpit might change your life forever. It seems pretty unnatural, but God is a supernatural God. God is such a supernatural God that even the sound of his voice can change your entire outcome of where you're headed in your life. Just one word from him can change every direction in which we're headed. You might think, well, I know the path I'm headed, but you wait till God says something else about it. Wait till God changes the very direction that you're headed in. He's a supernatural God. But this voice was spoken over the stones and it vindicated it to be the voice of the Lord. But we don't have the Urim and Thummim today. I mean, Brother Tim's got a mini one in his office, I saw, but I don't think it'd probably ring the rainbow colors. We don't have that today. You imagine if we had that today, how many people would be fighting for it? To know, the, to know the will of God, to know the perfect word. How many people would be coveting that? How many people would fight their way to get to that Urim and Thummim that they might know that this is the right way to go? I mean, how many in here would want to know? I'm in the perfect will of God. I'm in the perfect will. If you know you're walking in the perfect will, you can be absolutely fearless of where you're headed because you know you're on a commission. You know that you've been purposed for it. I believe that if we had the actual physical Urim and Thummim today, there would be a riot to get your hands on it, right? There'd be a, there'd be a, a line out the door where people would come in and they'd want to have their, their moment with the Urim and Thummim, right? Kind of like when the prophet was here. And they wanted to have just their couple minutes with the prophet. They wouldn't take the time to listen to what he was preaching, but they wanted their couple minutes with him that he might discern them and it would take the easy way out of the situation. We don't live in an easy age. This is not an easy button age. But this is the hardest age that there ever has been. This is the darkest hour that there ever will be. We don't live in an easy button age. That would be nice. And I'm not not shaming anybody that has a tremendous testimony. That's not what I'm getting at of of visiting with a prophet and the miraculous happening. Obviously, I believe God sent a prophet. And I believe he had the Messiah sign. And I I would have traveled across the world to spend just a couple minutes. But we don't have that today. We don't have the Urim and Thummim today. So it must be that thus saith the Lord's not here today. (laughs) No, I don't believe that. I don't believe that thus saith the Lord ceased to exist on December the 24th, 1965. But I believe we have thus saith the Lord in our midst. 
I believe what the prophet preached to us was that the bride has thus saith the Lord or she keeps still, right? So that means it's laying within the church. Thus saith the Lord is still laying within the church. What is it? It's the vindicated word of the hour coming out just like he preached it. Now, we live in an age of confusion, right? Where the devil's getting in and he's trying to confuse this and confuse that. And he'll take a quote and make you think that you don't have, you don't have the Holy Ghost. And he'll take a quote and make you think that there's no way you could be lost. And we're back and forth and back and forth. But there is a way to know that we're walking in the perfect will of God. There's a way to know that there's a balance to this. There's a way to know that you have uh, the whole package already in you. Not waiting for it to come, but it's already laying within you. These stones here on this tablet were just stones. They just laid there on that Urim and Thummim. They just laid there in that, in that tent, way back in there, until a voice came across them. And then all of a sudden, those stones had a purpose. Those stones reflected a light. They reflected the voice of God that came out across them, and they became a value, right? Until then, they were just laying dormant in the, in, in the tent there, but they had a purpose. I believe we have, thus saith the Lord. We'll do exactly what he said to do in the spirit that he said to do it. It's not so much that I can type in here. Anybody can grab a table app and they can type in their favorite quote. And you can feed me all these quotes. But if you don't have the spirit of how the prophet brought it, then it's never going to free anybody. It's never going to heal anybody. It's never going to bring liberation to anybody. But you've got to have the spirit that the messenger brought it in. Is that okay? It's our commission. If I could say it's the challenge of the hour to walk in the spirit of the word. Not just quote it fundamentally, but to walk in the spirit of the word. Hallelujah. And there came out of nowhere, don't even give his name. I don't guess the prophet was interested in his name. He was interested in one thing. God had anointed him. He didn't make any difference whether he was classed one of their denominations or something else, whether he was a bishop or an archbishop. The only thing that he was interested in was the message on his heart. And he called the people back to repentance and an understanding that their God was a God of might and a God of deliverance, a God of miracles that snatched them out of the hands of the Egyptians, opened up the Red Sea and fed them into the wilderness. And the God, a God of might who could take the land from someone else and give it to them. Amen. That was a true prophet. He was anointed and he was the voice of God to them people. He spoke it that it must be so because they were in trouble. These Midianites and Amorites and so forth had all come over to eat up all their land. And so the enemy had challenged and he must be met. The enemy's challenged and he must be met. We're living at the same junction of time. The armies couldn't do it and their priests couldn't do it and their churches couldn't do it. So it took the word of God to meet his challenge. And the enemy speaks today. The enemy tries to say that the days of miracles is past and there's no such thing as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this is only a motion. It's only a workup. So the enemy has challenged and his challenge must be met. Are we ready to meet the challenge of the hour? The only way we can meet the challenge of the day when the denominations call the people away and put them in this organization and that organization, let them women cut their hair and makeup and men and all kinds of lives, lives as trustees and deacons and pastors in the church because they got some PhD or LLD is the requirement. Jesus never did require a man to have that. Jesus' requirement was wait 
in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Then you are a witness to me. That meets his challenge. That met the enemy's challenge. That met it in that day. It will meet it in this day. That's why the church of the living God has such an attack on how we worship. That's why the church of the living God is, is, is trying to be bound up that we're too free or, or we worship too freely or we enjoy ourselves a little bit too much. Well, you can have your opinion, but as for me, I'll rise to the challenge of the hour. You can believe it the way you want to, but as for me, I'll go ahead and enjoy salvation. As for me, I'll go ahead and enjoy joy in my life. I, I'll enjoy not having bondage. I'll enjoy not being in chains or shackles or wondering if I'm going to make a rapture. I'll go ahead and enjoy the liberty that comes with the revealed word of the hour and say, I never did it in the first place. I'm free. That's the challenge of the hour. Not to be in bondage. Anybody can be in bondage. We are called and commissioned to break free from that and say, I am a different level. I'll not settle for Methodists or Baptists or Presbyterian somewhere. I'm from another cut. I came from another section of the cloth. In my section, we're free. In my section, we have liberty to worship. In my section of heaven, we go ahead and shout and we say amen. And we say holy, holy, holy to the Lord. That's what we were called to do. The challenge of the hour has been brought to our door. What will we do with it? Will we back up and say, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and back up on the way I believe. Or are we called to meet the challenge of the hour that's been brought to our church, into our home, into our beliefs? Don't tell me that you haven't ran across it because it's coming against the church of the living God. Not just here in Louisiana, but all over the world. The challenge is brought to the church. Will we back down? Or will we take the word and move forward? If God be with us. He says, how can the Holy Spirit who wrote the Bible deny it? How can the Holy Spirit living in a man say, oh, it was for the disciples? Jesus said, whosoever will. Peter said, the promise is unto you and to your children and them that's afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The Holy Ghost was for whomever God called. Somebody say, God called me. Here he said, those who he predestinated, he foreknew, he ordained, and they accepted no man can come to me, said Jesus, Set my father draws him, and all that the father has given me will come to me. Do we come in a worked up emotion? Do we come to join the church? Do we come because we don't want to go to hell? Or do we come because we love God that gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should have everlasting life? Do we come because it's a love sacrifice that God gave to us that we might display it? Display it, he says. God hates. Man, if I'm serving God, I'd want to know what he hates. If I'm trying to be the best Christian I can be and actually approach the word with an open ear and an open eye and an open heart and actually approach the message with no preconceived ideas of what I want it to be, I would want to know what God hates. For example, if you search it in the, in, the, in the search, God hates discord among the brethren. God hates it. He hates backbiting. He hates the gossip. He hates the back and forth and do what you can to, to, to kill somebody's testimony or their character. God hates it. 
You know what else God hates? A powerless religion. He hates it. I'd want to know what God hates. And if I was trying to please the Lord, I'd want to run as far away as I could from what God hates. I'd want to get as far away from that as I possibly could. If God hates a powerless religion, I don't want to be identified anywhere near a powerless religion. You'll never confuse me for being a psychologist. I want to be so far away from that that you'll never have to ask me the question, what do you believe? But let my voice ring tonight to say, I believe in a religion with power. I believe in a God with power. I believe in the Holy Ghost with power. I believe in a people with power that will perform the works because it's him in them performing them. That's what we believe. Don't be yoked up with that. But get free from that. I don't want to be anywhere near it. You'll never confuse me for that. Why? Because I preach against it. And the problem is we have too many weak pulpits that are so afraid to lose somebody. They're so afraid to lose people or lose, or lose a member somewhere. They're afraid to preach the truth. And then we have the Holy Ghost on the outside of the church wanting to get in. Is this okay? Am I okay? I get a little carried away. It should never confuse me for that. Why would we want to be confused for that? God hates it. He hates a powerless religion. Their religion has no power. So what must he do to this day? Every time in the Bible that God ever... Every time that there ever came a reformation or revival, it was backed with great signs and powers. Where God is... He is supernatural. Where God displays himself, there's got to be supernatural. He can impersonate almost up to the real thing. He can impersonate almost up to the real thing. But you're not an impersonation, church. You're not an impersonation. You're the genuine article. You're the real deal. You know, there's art collectors from all over the world and their job is to examine a piece and to identify that it's the real deal, to identify that it's the real piece and say, yeah, that, that's the one. See this one here? It's got a little, you know, it was, it was made, it was a good impersonation, but it's not the real deal. But I believe I'm preaching to the real deal tonight. It wasn't just forced in some denomination somewhere through some man's theory, but, but God called us here that we might fulfill the rapture of this age. He can impersonate it, but he can't be you. Nobody can have your spot. Nobody. I can't have it. Brother Aaron can't have it. Nobody can have your spot. You don't need to change to be like me or change to be like Brother Joe. God made you exactly how you are. You're an original. You're a one-off. You're a piece of art. You're, you're so handcrafted in his mind that he made you exactly the way you are that even through those complexes, you could fulfill all righteousness. It's in you to do it. It's in you to take a body change. It's already laying within you. You don't need to change. You just need to get under the power of the Holy Ghost. And those stones that laid there dormant will become living stones. They'll become lively stones. They'll become alive with the fire of God. 
Now the scripture says that when the voice came forth, a light went across the stones. But they did not have a flashlight or a light bulb there, but a light in the scripture is the fire of God. So when his voice came out, it was actual fire that went through that tent and cast upon the stones, and they became lively stones. I don't believe in 2 Peter, he said that we're to be dead stones, but we're to be lively stones. Is that okay? I'm not trying to work you up. I'm preaching you the scripture. I think it's time that we identify where we're at. I don't think we should back up to anybody. Say, no, I'll just, I'll just humble down on, on, on the word. No, I'll humble down on a lot of things, but I will not humble down on the word. Esau represented the man of earth, natural, religious, inclined, but never able. It wasn't in him to do it. He couldn't do it. He never was in him to be able to climb past the things of the world, the carnal thing. But Jacob, it was just so easy for him to do it. Now, Jacob, one purpose Jacob had, and that was that he longed for that birthright. No matter how he got it, just so he got it. It wasn't in Esau to do it. It wasn't in him. He didn't have the capability to hunger and thirst for that birthright. He couldn't do it. Jacob could go to a place that Esau literally could not go. The, the, the prophet said it right there. It wasn't in him. It wasn't in him. He couldn't do it. It didn't ring true. There was, there was nothing he could do with it. It just wasn't, it wasn't in him to, to take the birthright. Like the brother said last night, we're built to go places that the devil can't follow us. It's not in him to do it. We're built to go places into the word that the devil never even thought of going. He never even imagined that it was a possibility, but it's in us to do it. We're built for the challenge of the hour. We're made with the ingredients it's going to take to overcome the challenge of the hour. We don't got to worry about him impersonating us. We've got to get to a place where he can't follow us. We've got to climb to a higher realm where he cannot walk with us anymore. He can't walk stride for stride with us where we're going. There's somewhere where he's going to get caught up. There's somewhere where he cannot fulfill the whole word. There's somewhere where he's not going to do it. Now, if I, if, if, if let's just, God forgive me, but let's just say I was Lucifer preaching to you tonight. And I was using the message and I was using the quotes and I was quoting all your favorite preachers. And I was, I was preaching it hard to you with power. Would you be able to say amen? Careful. Would you be able to say amen? No, because I'm going to use it for my benefit. If I'm Lucifer, I'm never going to take you to a place where you're free. I can't. It's not in me to do it. If I'm Lucifer, I'm physically incapable of preaching the word in a position where you get liberty. I'm physically incapable of preaching the entire word in a way that you could go free. So you see, it's easy to discern a spirit, no matter how mighty the man might be or how big his church might be or how many members worship him. It's easy to identify a spirit. If it brings you down, it's not the word. If it lifts you up, it's the word of the hour. If it lifts you up, it's vindicated. If it lifts you up, you're free. If it lifts you up, I say walk in freedom. But don't dare be found. Caught in transition between a ministry that will drive you down and you leave more depressed than what you came in. That's not the spirit of the message. 
That's some man's theory or some spin on what the prophet preached. That is not what I hear when I hear William Brandon preach. That's not what I hear when I hear Tim Pruitt preach. That's not what I hear when I hear Wayne Lawson preach. I hear the spirit of liberty ringing out over the people of God saying, go free. You're free. You're free. That's the spirit of the message. Not only do we got to say what he said, we've got to say it in the spirit that he said it in. Why is that so hard? Say it in the spirit. Why it's so hard is because you don't listen to the tape. It's so hard because you, you just read that one quote and move on. Listen to the message. It will never bring you down. It's liberty. It's our hope. It's Christ in this hour. How could it bring you down? How could it make you feel like you're going to miss it? Like you somehow missed something. You are complete in him. Not missed it. You are it. It's about you. This whole book is about you. It's Christ coming out in a bride. It's a love story. It's a book of love. It's about you. I'm not going to write a book about me. I'm going to write about my wife. It's my love story. It's about her. Why would we ever feel condemned reading it? How can we look at this and say, oh, I just don't know. When I read this, I can't help but cry. He's talking about me. I will put my spirit in her and she will perform the greater works. Not only that, but I'm going to save the final word for her. for better than where we're living. You're built for higher than wherever you're at. I guarantee. I know I'm built for higher than where I'm living. I was built to fulfill every word, every line, every letter, every punctuation. I was built for it. God spoke it because he knew that was what I would do. God spoke the word because he knew there would be somebody come that would say, it's mine. He did it, I can too. If you did it, I can too. This is not a, a one-man message. This is an I can too message. We're walking where the angels fear to trod in the divine word of the hour. Ah, we should not be ashamed of anything that we're doing. I rebuke that spirit that would come on the church of the living God that would bring her down for realizing where she's at and then feeling sorry for it. No. Not while I have breath in my lungs. I say recognize where you're at and give God praise for it. Say I recognize I'm free. I recognize that I'm liberated. I recognize that I'm not in the dogma of a man. You know what else God hates? A Nicolaitan spirit. I'm free from that. We're free. We're free. We ain't got to worry about it. God spoke it over us. There will be a people. I say it's us. I say here I am. He's not built to walk where you can walk. He physically is incapable of it. <laughs> I left my hanky in that jacket somewhere. He can't do it. 
<coughs> You're built higher than he was built. You came from another part of the mind of God. You came from a little part tucked away back in there where that covering cherub never was able to see. That covering cherub didn't have access to where you came from. You didn't come from the realm of anxiety and depression and sickness and cancer. You didn't come from that realm. You came from another realm beyond that that the angel couldn't even look at. That those angels couldn't even see. We came from a higher realm than that. From the very back part of the mind of God. That's where I came from. That's why I'm not scared to walk here. This is not my home here. But it will be. I don't want to fit in here. I don't want to blend in at Walmart. I wasn't made for that. I was made to blend in with those that came from the back part of the mind of God. Now, I cannot help it how we act when we came from the back part of the mind of God. But I know we came from the same place. I'm not ashamed to act like people that I, where I came from. Brother Phil, you're not ashamed to act where you, the neighborhood you grow up in. When you get around, you say, this is how country boys act. Well, this is how the bride of Christ acts. This is how we act. We act free. Forgive me if I don't have shackles binding me, but I'm free. Forgive me if I'm liberated in my spirit where I can say glory to God and not get rushed out of the church building, but I'm free. And he who the Son has set free is free indeed. Somebody say indeed. Indeed. He physically is not able to do it. If you could pull up Ezekiel 28. In the 11th verse, man, time is flying. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, take up lamentation upon the king of Tyrus. Of course, your Bible students, you know, speaking of Lucifer. And say unto him, Thus say the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardius, topaz, and the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and on gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets on thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that was created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou was upon the holy mountain of God. Thou wast walked up and, and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that was created until iniquity was found in thee. He's built different. You're a civil engineer. How many stones did we just count? I'm going to help you. Nine. Nine. How many did we count in Exodus 28? Twelve. I'm not a math wizard, but it seems like there's something missing. It seems that, that God's specific ingredients were, were, were right and they were perfect. And then when it came down to build Lucifer, something was left out. He's physically not built the same. As you're built. He's missing something that you have. If you take the time to study it, we're, 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 we're short on time. But if you take the time to study it, he's missing the third row. He's got the first, the second, and the fourth. He's missing the third row of stones. Remember how exact the, the, the breastplate was to be built? It was to be built exactly under the order which Moses gave, right? Exactly this direction, exactly these stones in this place representing these exact tribes. But he's missing the third row. I'm glad we can walk places where the devil cannot walk. I'm glad we can receive a word. That's why when the word comes forth, somehow it just doesn't ring with somebody. 
You say, hey, man, what's the matter with you? It's not ringing. But for me, it's ringing. For you, it's ringing. We say, hey, that lit me up. Why? Because we're built different than Lucifer was built. We're built different than the serpent was built. He was built lower than we were built. He's missing the third row. We're not. You'll never get a seven-color rainbow if you're missing those three stones. You'll never get the full contrast of God's word if you're missing those three stones. You'll end up with a six-color rainbow, which here we are. But there's something that Lucifer does not have that you have. And you wonder, why? How am I going to make it? Because it's in you. There's something in you that he does not have. We'll take a, a few minutes on this. The, the seventh stone, which would be the first stone in the third row, is the Ligur. It's from the tribe of Gad. It's an amber color. The tribe of Gad means a judge to be vindicated, which I found it pretty interesting that to be vindicated means to be loosed. The tribe of Gad represents overcoming power. I know this is a, a well-taught church, and you, you probably know all this, but the, the tribe of Gad represents overcoming power. So mark that down as something Satan cannot do. He cannot have overcoming power. Now, the interesting part about this seventh stone, the Ligur, is it's totally worthless. You don't even recognize it as a Ligur stone until you put it under a fire. And when you put it under a fire, that amber light shoots a red light out of it, and you recognize that's a Ligur stone. You put it over the fire, and then the value comes to it. You put a tried believer under the fire and watch the value come to it. You put a tried God-called son or daughter of God and watch the value come to him. We may not look like much up here, but you put me under a fire and watch the value come under it. You put this church under a fire, which I believe it's been, and watch the power of God come out of it. There's value in it. But you've got to go through the fire. You've got to go through the fire. That's where your value comes from. Otherwise, you're just a dormant stone laid on a golden breastplate. But when you get under the fire, that's where the value comes from. You might not ever recognize me to be nothing on this earth, but you watch. And you watch when a son of God is taken through a fiery trial. You'll never look at that brother the same. That's a real man of God. I've seen him in the fire. I've seen him when the doctors couldn't figure out what was going wrong. I've seen him in the fire. That's a real man of God. Because the value comes out under the trial. That's somewhere Satan can't go. He can't walk into the fire. He doesn't have the material to do it doesn't have it. He literally does not have the stone to walk into the fire. Not built for it. But you are. A supernatural world. Maybe you don't see that with your carnal eye. You don't see that value of red shining through. But you see the spirit of God anointing that individual. So how could they ever possibly keep going? How could they walk through this fire? Because they have the seventh stone. They have the full package. 
They're complete in him. There's nowhere that they can't go in God's word. It's all access pass. You can go anywhere that your faith will allow you to go into this word. Anywhere including cancer being defeated. Anywhere including mind battles being defeated. Anywhere including depression being defeated. You are called and anointed to walk there. That's our commission to walk there. To step into that as Brother Isaac said. But the value comes. What looked like a worthless stone becomes priceless. When you put it in a fire. I think of the three, the three Hebrew children walking into a fire. Now, we live in a supernatural world where we don't see their spirits coming and their spirits going. The angel's here. Maybe we don't see him, but we, we know he's here. But we also know there's sickness in the building. Now, if it was easy as easy, I know we got medical folk in here. If it was easy as putting your... your your, your broken arm under an x-ray and, you, and they say, oh, the bone's broken there and we can work on that. But we're not battling flesh and blood, but spiritual principalities and powers in high places. And so we, we, we walk into the church house and maybe we don't even recognize it, but there's a spirit that's been attacking us all day. There's something that's been binding us maybe for 20 years. Maybe just this afternoon, but there's something that's, that's trying to take hold of you that you can't see. If it was as easy as for see, Aaron could take care of it. He just knocked the guy out. But we can't see it. It's in another world. Right? Brother Brandon would explain it in a prayer line. He would, somebody would come through and he would say, you have a deaf spirit that's taking hold of your hearing. It's, put, it's binding your hearing. I see the spirit and it's wrapped around your hearing canal. And that spirit has to be removed in order for you to hear. Right? So it's easy for us to see. That's how that person's deaf is there's a, there's a spirit, a transparent band, Brother Brandon called it, that's cutting off the circulation to their hearing. Right? And then another patient would come by and you say, you're blind. There's a, there's a spirit that's bound your optic nerve and you can't see. I believe many of us probably have transparent bands. There's things affecting our life that we've tried to get rid of and we tried to figure out how to deal with and we've tried to figure out how, how to get rid of it and we can't see it and we don't know when it's coming. We don't know when it's going and it comes and goes and it's a transparent band. Now, if I put a band around my wrist like this and I put it real tight, my fingers are going to get purple. I'm going to lose circulation to these fingers and they're going to become dead fingers. They're going to be useless to me. There's nothing I, I'm going to be able to do with them. I'm not going to be able to feel them. You ever, you ever slept wrong in the bed and you wake up and your hand's about useless because you, you cut off the circulation, right? Well, that's what demons in this hour are trying to do to the church of God is cut off the circulation, the flow of life into, into our wombs. They're trying to cut that off, but there's only one way to get rid of that band. Now, where that patient stepped on the platform and they were deaf, there was not Brother Branham standing there, but there was a pillar of fire standing there. There was a fire between them and the end of the prayer line. There was a fire between them and their healing. There was a fire between them and total victory. You understand? There's only one way to get rid of the transparent band in your life. It's to walk in the fire. Right? The three Hebrew children were, were taken to the fire, and, and the king said, take my mightiest men to bind them. I want to make sure they don't get away. But the devil's not built to go in the fire. So that king lost seven of his mightiest men in that fire because he sent him to go ahead and keep charge of them. They melted in the fire. 
You know what the prophet taught us? The only thing the fire did for those children was loose their bands. The only thing the fire of God will do for you is set you free from complex. The only thing the fire of God will do is fill you with the Holy Ghost. The only thing the fire of God will do for you is heal you of cancer, is heal you of diabetes, is heal you of depression. There's a fire between you and your healing. There's something in between your prodigal and coming home. It's the fire of God. Daniel and the lion's den. What kept those lions away? Fire. The devil is afraid of fire. Why? Because he knows in the end it's the lake of fire. There's nowhere in the scripture where the devil walks into fire. There's nowhere where a spirit can follow you when you're walking into a fire. Now you might think, well, I don't want to go through another trial. Don't. Get in the fire of God. Come underneath the pillar of fire. Surrendering to the message. Surrendering to this word. Not your theory, not your idea, but come underneath it where the impersonations cannot last. Now watch the pattern. He says, Judas Iscariot followed the same tracks. He was justified by believing on the Lord and then accept him as a personal savior. I thought this was tremendous. Ju- Judas received him as a personal savior. He was sanctified and given the power to cast out spirits, put his name on the Lamb's book of life. But when it come to Pentecost and the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the fullness of the word, he showed his colors. He couldn't produce the color. He couldn't produce the rainbow that you can produce. When it came down to Pentecost, he could not produce what it took to cross over. He could not produce what it took to take the promised land. He couldn't do it. It wasn't in him. He didn't have it. doesn't have the capability. That's why I don't get caught up fighting with people. They just don't have it. There's only one message of the Holy Ghost. It's move forward. That's what we should do is leave aside the fighting and we'll stand for the message and move forward. They're just not built for it. But I was. I believe you were. Somebody say, I was built for that fire. It showed his true colors. That's exactly what the Canaan spies did. That's exactly what Esau done. That's exactly what Satan done to Eve in the garden. It showed their true colors. I don't care. Judas could have done all kinds of signs, wonders, but when he come to receive the Holy Ghost at the day of Pentecost, he showed his colors. The devil can come right up and impersonate right to the very thing till it comes to this word, but he can't take all that word. He can bring it all up, maybe to one word like Eve, the devil did to Eve, but he can't cross it all. Because the whole thing is the body of Christ. The whole thing. Complete in him. You're not an impersonator. You're the real one. You're not the counterfeit. You're the reality. You're the one the counterfeit was spun off of. You're the reality of it. Now the eighth stone will try to hurry is the agate. That represents the Nephtali tribe. Which means through difficulty. It's a common stone found out. You might go find them out here. Just looks like any old stone until you cut it. And when you cut it and you polish it, it becomes a beautiful stone. It becomes the stone we saw up there on the breastplate. It becomes a beautiful thing that they might have value to it. But it's got to be cut. It's got to be fashioned. It's got to be molded. And it's, it's through difficulty. 
that that stone comes. It's through the trial of our faith. But when you have the stone, you can go through the trial. When you have that ingredient, you're going through the trial. You're going to make it out on the other side. It's through great difficulty, but that's where Job was when he recognized he had the third row. When he said, I was there. I'm in the greatest trial of my life. I don't know how I'm going to make it out of this situation, but I was there. And if I was there, I've got to go back to there. If I was ever in the mind of God, I've got to go back to the mind of God. I was there. Not a fake, but the real deal. I was there when the sons of God meowed for joy. (laughs) I was there when they said, yeah. Friends, there's too much scripture to come against the move of God. There's too much scripture in here. I'm not picking this. I didn't just hotspot quotes, but there's too much in here to come against the holy move of God. There's just too much. It's where God operates. And you wonder why you can't keep your young people out of porn addictions. And you can't keep your young people out of suicide. And you can't keep your preachers from sitting on their wives. And you can't keep your church together. It's because you don't preach the Holy Ghost. That will actually change the situation. You have to have seminars on how to do it or some psychological approach. Preach the Holy Ghost. It'll do the fixing. You're never going to get this fixed on your own idea. You would have fixed it already. But the Holy Ghost, when he comes, he, the spirit of truth, shall lead you and guide you into all truth. He's on the outside, unfortunately, of so-called message churches. He's not welcome in their pulpit. I thank God that there's still some pulpits today, Brother Tim. I thank God for, I got kids. I got young ones coming up. I have my experience, but I got young ones coming up and I thank God that there has been pillars that have stood and have fought for what we believe in, that have stood the time test, that have stood it. They've weathered the storm where I could bring my children into a sanctuary where they might be filled with the very spirit of God. God forbid we ever remove that from our church. God forbid we ever remove that for our home. I don't care where we're at, what we're doing, what we're driving. If God wants to come fill somebody, I say let him fill them. We're way too late to be playing games. But I counsel thee to buy me gold that's been tried in the fire. That's not just for everybody. That's not just for the nominal world out there. Everybody that looks on the name of Jesus, but I counsel thee to buy me gold that's been tried in the fire. Then if you are a son or daughter of God, you were in God all the time. Somebody say all the time. But he knew what bed and time that you would be planted. So now you're made a creature, a son of God, manifested son or daughter of God to meet the challenge of the hour, to vindicate the true and living God of this hour, the message that's coming forth in this time. You were predestinated to meet it. That's right. You were done there before the foundation of the world. If you wasn't chose that way, no matter how much you try to impersonate it, you'll never make it. How can you get blood from a turnip when there's no blood in there? But we are not impersonating. You're not impersonating. You're the real deal. Rebecca, you're the real deal. My gosh, who was he preaching about? 
Well, who's going to be the real deal? Who are we waiting on? Well, one day that'll be okay in the short, quick work. We'll dance and shout. Well, where are we? Well, who's going to fulfill it? Who's going to go out and come out of the highways and the byways? You know, sometimes we go through trials in our life that we don't even fathom why we could be going through it. Maybe this 2022 was just that year for you. You thought, I'm going through a trial. I don't know why in the world I'm going through it. I don't know if I'm going to be able to come out on the other side. I'm sure God has a purpose for it, but God always has a purpose. Your footsteps are ordered. As in, you're walking in his will. Your footsteps are ordered of the Lord. Sometimes we go through trials. I know we're over our time. We've got to cut a lot more here, but we'll just cut it out. We go through trials that we, we wonder, wonder what's, what's the point of this? I remember back in the, in the early spring of, of 2018, I got a phone call, and I had lost somebody very, really close to me. We talked on the phone every day, every day. He was living out, trying to serve the Lord, and Doing his best, I believe he, 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 he had the revelation to be in the resurrection. But he was taken home suddenly by, by just an accident. And I wondered with the Lord, I said, what, what purpose could this be for? What could this be for? Why? Why couldn't he just, why couldn't he just heal him? Why did he have to let the accident happen? Well, you know, I, at that time... I. We were, we were kind of living a little bit more isolated. And I didn't really have a lot of phone calls and people to visit with the word about. And, and he was my buddy. And we visited on the word and we talked about the scripture. And we, we made a bond that way. And then one day he's just gone. And I got to be honest, I was, I was not bitter, but I was questioning the Lord. Are you sure this was correct? I, I, I guess that maybe he was going to fall away. And may, maybe that, that, that just, there wasn't a, pl- a place for him. And that was the best way out of his situation that he was in. Maybe that was the best way. But then at our youth camp two years ago, I watched two young people come through that prayer line and the power of the Holy Ghost fall upon them. And it all made sense to me. Brother L, he had you in his mind. He had you in his mind. Went to that brother's funeral. In the middle of Mississippi somewhere. There were some folks from this church. Brother Jeff was there. Yes. Well, sitting around a table. Over turkey necks and hogs feet. Began to witness the message. To a family. Where four souls might be saved. God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing Jay. He'll bankrupt heaven to bring home your prodigal. He'll pour out everything that he is to bring that down. He's not lost his power. He's not weak in his demonstration. Say, well, we haven't seen that in some time. God's not lost his power. He's still saving He's still going out in the highways and the byways and the bushes where nobody would go. No church there in the middle of Mississippi. God found a way to find the sheep. 
God always finds a way to find his sheep. And he didn't bring you this far to leave you now, but he's gonna see it through. God always finds a way. He's not lost his might, he's not lost his power. He's the same God that he was when he parted the sea. He's the same God that he was when he walked on the water. He's the same God when he said, Lazarus, come forth. He's the same God when he says, William Roncalli, come forth. He's the same God, the same power, with the same mind, doing the same works. He's not lost it, he's still God. But we've got to humble ourselves to come under the word. The last stone that he does not have is humility. He's incapable of becoming humble to the word. I'm going to finish right here. He doesn't have it in him. Cain did not have it in him to repent. But the zeal of our hour is to repent. The zeal of the Laodicean church is to repent. Come back to the word. Come back to Pentecost. Get back to where the power of God is real. We have it in us to be humble enough. We'll be humble enough to believe a lie. Somebody tell you that you're ugly or you're never going to make it or you're unsuccessful. We'll believe that. We'll humble ourselves down to that lie. But what about the truth? What about when God says there's an age of the overcomer? What about under the church of Laodicea? I write to them that overcometh. Will I grant to sit with me? What about it? Will you humble yourself to that? Will you humble yourself to put this word in your mouth and speak it over your trial? I'm humble enough to say I speak victory. Put it in your mouth. I don't know what it is. I don't care what it is. Have the humility to come underneath the word and put it in your mouth and confess it. Let the stone fly. The challenge of the hour has come to our door. Are we ready to meet the challenge? There's some old Goliath saying, hey, his, his theology makes sense. He said, we don't all have to be deemed crazy. You just let one of you die and you come underneath me. You just back up on that Holy Ghost doctrine a little bit and I'll back off your church. I'll back off the attacks. You just back off on that dancing a little bit and I'll back off the mind battles. Don't tell me he hasn't told you that. The challenge of the hour is here. You just back up on on claiming your prodigal. You don't want to scare him away. There's a Goliath out there. His theology makes sense. Well, I'm caught in the in-between. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not. If we have the humility to sit underneath a lie, we ought to have the humility to come underneath the truth of the word and say that's false doctrine. Say that's a, that's a Lucifer anointing coming into my life. That's a transparent band that I need to burn off in the fire of God. No messenger came in my day to tell me that I wasn't going to make it. No messenger came and lived a life above reproach to tell me that I just didn't have enough. But when I'm going to make it, 
You've got the stones. You've got the material. It's in you to fulfill our righteousness. It's already in you. Well, you just back up on preaching that. No, I don't think I will. You just back up on having those tent revivals and those meetings and youth camps and where, where, where people just run. No, I don't think I will. I don't think I'm going to back down to no giant. He's a bluff. He's got nothing. I don't think I will back down. I think I'll preach this harder than I've ever preached it in my life. I think if I have breath in my lungs, I'm going to preach liberation in the church of God. As long as I've got power in these lungs, I will be found preaching freedom. I don't think I'm going to back up at all. I say it's time to come totally under the humility of the word and say, Lord, do what you will with me. If you never cause me to dance, fine. If you never cause me to speak in tongues, fine. If you never cause me to worship like I see others worshiping, fine. Do whatever God puts on your heart to do. If God calls you to have a prophetic word, God forbid us to hold it back. If God calls you to dance in the spirit under the anointing of the power of liberation, you go on ahead and dance. If God calls you to let a scream out that lets the release out of your life, you go ahead and scream. You see, we're all original. We're all pieces of art. Fashioned the way God fashioned us that he wanted us to be. You don't have to act like me. That's okay. I already got Brother Joe. But don't ever be found guilty of oppressing the power of God in your life. Sister Adeline, if you have a gift to sing, let it go. Don't ever be found guilty of holding back because of what somebody might think. If your pastor's ashamed of you, find another pastor. If your friends are ashamed of you, get new friends. I'll be your friend. Brother Aaron will be your friend. Sister Cheyenne will be your friend. Get new friends. Don't ever let the devil put that band on the move of God in your life. Because you will never walk in freedom again. There's a fire between you and your victory. The zeal of our hour is to repent. And when we're done repenting, that's where the power comes. Power is in humility. If our music players would come. If we can't humble ourselves to the word, we'll never walk where he walked. Oh, Lord. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, Lord, thy will be done. Thy will be done. I wonder how many of us could say that with our hearts. Thy will be done. Lord, whatever you have, your, your desire for me is. I may not ever hold a microphone in my hand, never step behind a pulpit. Whatever your desire is for me, Lord, that's what I want to fulfill. It's God's will that you walk in perfect health. It's God's will that you walk in the power of the Holy Ghost. These are things we can just get right out of the way. It's not God's will that you walk in defeat. 
It's not God's intention that you walk wondering if I'm going to come in here one day and why is everybody gone? Friends, you're not going to miss the rapture. You are the rapture. It's happening. It's an event. It's already happening. It's coming forth. We're walking in it. Walking in it, Brother Silas. A year ago, you couldn't say that, but today, you can say that. Why? Because there's a fire between you and your victory. And he was humble enough to come under that fire. I wonder if there's anybody in here humble enough to walk through the fire of God. Say, I don't want to just be identified with it. I want to be covered in it. I don't want to just be labeled as it. I want to be totally covered in it. Hard decisions are made. But they're the direction of the Lord. Brother Jackson, he's going to bless you. Friends, I know you don't know me, but I just, I just do what the Lord tells me. Walk through the fire with him a while. Won't you just come walk with me a while? Where is he going to lead you, Brother Joe? He's going to lead you through the fire. Because that's the only place the devil can't follow you. Hallelujah. Been a wonderful group to preach to. Sorry for the time. I don't know if you have a song on your heart.